1: Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and this week I was joined by an incredible guest, Ashton Gleckman. He's in his 20s like me, so we talk about the importance of our generation, continuing interest and conversations about the Kennedy legacy, his upcoming docuseries, Kennedy, which I'm so excited for, and so much more. So I really hope you enjoy our chat. And here I am joined by the amazing, fantastic, incredibly talented Ashton Gleckman. Thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you so much for having me. appreciate it.
1: Okay, so I will tell the audience a little backstory in case they were watching our IG live, but we already had this conversation, basically, what we're going to talk about. But, you know, it'll be a little different. It'll be a variation. We did an Instagram live when, like, last week or so, and it just went really well, and we talked about our interest in the Kennedys and what Ashton was doing, what I was doing, and it just, I was like, this has to be a podcast episode. So here we are, re-recording. It was just a practice, I guess.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, it it was fantastic, Yeah.
1: So to get started, for the people that didn't watch that and are listening just to the podcast, tell everybody a little bit about yourself.
0: So my name is Ashton, and I'm a 21-year-old filmmaker based in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I focus specifically on making documentary films. And I am currently working on directing a documentary series called Kennedy, which is a 10-part, sort of 14-hour series uh, that covers John F. Kennedy's life in super heavy detail, Um, his whole entire life. So you go really deep into every aspect of his life, whether it's the House, the Senate, the presidential campaign. Um, Five episodes are spent just in the presidency alone. So this series, we're able to go deeper than ever before into the story of JFK. And the idea is to sort of uh, continue to discuss the subject and continue to get young people interested. And I think that's one of the things that brought... Allison and I together is that we're both trying to do the exact same things in in different ways one with a podcast one with a documentary and For my series. I was able to interview over a hundred people around the country whether it's Kennedy family members or um, authors biographers uh, Bay of pigs veterans NASA people so every aspect of the story of the Kennedys and of JFK's life I was able to, to interview and then it's also narrated by Peter Coyote, who did uh, all of the all of the Ken Burns documentaries. So it's something I'm super, super excited about that I have spent the last year and a half on. So I'm excited.
1: So as you just heard, this dude's freaking incredible and living my dreams. So he's literally has the guest list of heaven, which is incredible. <laughs> I can't wait for this documentary. Uh, Ashton messaged me or I, I always forget. You messaged me first. Yes, yes
0: did. I did because I came across your podcast and I was just absolutely blown away um, because I I mean, I think history, history is a pretty remarkable thing because it could be sort of seen when you're a young kid as being this sort of stale two dimensional subject, you know, things that just happened once. And I think the amazing thing about history is that history is so connected to the world that we live in. It's as easy as just looking on the news and realizing that all these historical events, whether it's the Kennedys in the 60s or the, the, you know, the revolutionary era in the 1770s, all of it is connected to the world that we live in now. And so I just think that it's such an awesome subject. And for people like you and I that are young people <laughs> that are also really interested in history, um, it's just something that I connected a lot. So I reached out to you and uh, yeah. here we are.
1: And here we are. And I swear, I feel like I've known you for years. Like it's weird. Yeah. We've only talked a couple times and if we're like, bum, 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 we talked for like 30 minutes before we even started recording. So yeah, it's no, nice exactly. to find other people that get it for sure. Um, it's
0: fantastic. Yeah.
1: So what got you interested in the Kennedys? What was that initial thing that like gripped you into where you knew you had to tell the story?
0: I'd be super interested in hearing from you as well, that exact same question. But for me, As early as I can remember, I just remember the inaugural address, like from being a really, really young kid in school. Um, And the inaugural address is obviously, you know, the first significant speech that a lot of people come across when dealing with JFK. But it just sort of opened up once I got to, you know, um, once I got to the age of 20 and I just started looking deeper and deeper into the story, I was just constantly blown away by the scale of the story because it's basically, it's so operatic. You know, you start out in Boston and you go all the way through and you've got him running for the Congress in 46, you know, wearing a back brace, walking up three deckers in Boston, you know, his, his time running for the Senate and the, the sort of thousands of photographs of him standing on cars and him and Jackie running around everywhere. And the, the story itself is an incredible narrative with so many characters that I think um, really reflect on who we are. It's a story that so much connects to who we are today, and so the Kennedys was was just a way to to look at you know humanity for me, and so that's that's what connected me so much with it. But it wasn't until the last couple of years uh, that it I realized that I really wanted to do something on the subject, and there was room to do it. There's only been a select amount of documentaries that have tried to cover his whole life, um, you know, significantly the one with with PBS, but that was only what four four to six hours long or something like that. And so for me, it was how deep can we go? How much more can we uncover? Um, and then how, how far can we take the audience through the story so that they feel like they've been through every day of the administration, that they've covered everything from the steel crisis to the Cuban Missile Crisis to, you know, the two days in June in 63. So, yeah, that was sort of what got me into it. What about you?
1: That's so amazing. Um, I – okay, so I started by Ryan who's on here a lot. He reminded me that I watched a documentary freshman year of college that got like gripped me and I kind of didn't shut up about the Kennedys for a minute after that. And so I think that I would just randomly watch stuff here and there. I love documentaries. I, I, I don't know why but I just do. Poor Jeffrey, I hardly ever want to watch regular movies cuz I'm always like, let's just watch a documentary. Let's find something interesting. And so JFK always just I gravitated to that story just because it was so and like you said i mean there was just so much to it there it's it wasn't like boring politics or boring history or boring anything to me that was like there is just gripping stuff it, all throughout this in every single facet so i even found uh, on my time hop i saw a tweet pop up from like years ago like five or six years ago that was like i watch a lot of jfk documentaries is that weird like i tweeted <laughs> that apparently and so i guess it was just an interest for years and years and It got to the point with me that I had studied so much and started reading so much and just really interested that I realized that I was saying a lot about them in everyday conversation or I was tying things back to them. Someone could be like, I I can't even think of an example. I mean, someone could bring up something. I'd be like, oh no, it was actually JFK that did this, you know, just like that. And then I was like, okay, this is a lot of information for me to withhold that no one around me actually cares about. Like I need to find people that care (laughs) along with me, you know? So um, I did. (laughs) And now... I feel like I just really, really deeply believe in continuing his legacy and his story and this family's story. And it's just so absolutely insane and interesting to me that this political figure is still so much more than just that. And so just people want want to know more and more and more.
0: And so I think that's what it is. And another one of the amazing things, and this is something that I really uncovered along the process of making the documentary. Because of course we know JFK as this sort of remarkably charismatic, attractive, stylish human being with an incredibly complicated, and though he only lived through to his 40s, an incredibly long life in this in the scope of all of the things that he was able to do in the time that he was on this earth. And I think that's the incredible thing. But one thing that like J. Randy Teraborelli, who I interviewed uh, for the documentary series, he basically said this, and it, it blew me away, he said, Kennedy never completely uncovered himself 100% at no moment in his life. He was such a complicated character, and his mind was just this endless chasm that you can continue to keep falling into. And he was constantly learning. He was constantly listening to other people. Um, he would read 12 newspapers every single morning in the White House, and um, You know, an incredible father who loved his kids so much. That's one of the things that I uncovered a lot, too, is just how much time he spent with his kids in the White House. He would be in the middle of a meeting, and his kids would be running in, and he would basically ditch what he was doing and and go romp on the floor with him. And so all of those things together, you've got this complicated human being who, like us, makes mistakes, has faults, but is incredibly inspiring and really helped usher in this completely new era of politics and sort of rode on the back of that confidence that the country had after World War II, right? We came out, we defeated Nazi Germany, and there was this newfound sense of what we could become. And I think Kennedy so brilliantly sort of hooked into that. And that's what became his idealistic, um, you know, political persona in, in, you know, the early 60s. But
1: Yeah. And I think, too, a lot of the things that they said or did transcended time so much and could still be said or done today and it makes sense there's a lot of I mean within the last year and social injustices and things like that I saw a lot of JFK and Bobby's quotes come back to life and still mean the exact same thing and still which is sad that it still did but still still was just as powerful today and could be said about our same circumstances as it did you know in the 60s and Jackie you could wear her outfit today and it still looks just as great and put together as it did in the sixties. There's things that they did that just were so progressive and so uh, beyond its time that that is so just inspiring and crazy. And I try to make myself understand that. And that's why I'm so interested, I think.
0: Yeah. And the, and the more that you look into it is in the last year of his life, it's amazing because Thurston Clark wrote this incredible book called the last hundred days, the emergence of a great president. And, after a year and a half of researching this, this is something I completely agree with. John F. Kennedy was a good president when he came in, and he had a lot of learning to do with the Bay of Pigs. but he becomes this incredible president in 1963. Um, you know, And it's the Cuban Missile Crisis that changes everything. Um, I spoke to a Harvard professor for the documentary, and he was talking just about how Kennedy was not the president that he thought himself to be, that other people thought themselves to be until after the Cuban Missile Crisis, when he basically helped save the world from annihilation. Literally. Um, yeah. literally. Um, so he, he he's a brilliant person to look into because he's someone who grows. He's not someone who throughout his whole entire life was this natural politician who knew exactly how to speak correctly and knew how to talk to audiences. He was someone who went out there and, you know, had to learn the reins and basically becomes this this incredibly talented politician over time. You know, it wasn't overnight.
1: And I remember you mentioning this in the live, but he also was always open to advice, open to changing his mind, open to, you know, seeing things from a different in a different way. Like you said, he would reach out to Eisenhower and ask for advice or there was just a real respect for other people, even if they didn't necessarily come from the exact same thought processes or backgrounds or anything like that. And I think that that's something that um, we all can look up to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And taking responsibility, it's it's that amazing interview that he gives at the end of 62 after the missile crisis and he's sitting down with, you know, people from CBS and NBC and he basically goes, the Bay of Pigs disaster of 61, we all, the, the advice was unanimous and the advice was wrong and it's my fault. He says it literally in the middle of an interview. Imagine a politician today taking full responsibility for, you know, a decision that they made. On television, you know, in front of the country, while you're president, it's something that's really admirable. Um, the more that you look into it,
1: no, no, it really is. Um, I have a question. Out of all the people and all the interviews that you did, what were, let's say, top two, three that you really impacted you in something they said or did, and even
0: share, if you don't mind? Well, one of the people that I spoke to was um, this man named Sid Davis, who was in Dallas um, on the last day of Kennedy's life, and. He was someone who was in the White House throughout the whole entire presidency, uh, because he was he was a White House reporter and he was with um, a news organization and he got to know the First Lady relatively well, and he basically walked me through the entire last portion of of Kennedy's life, these last you know couple of weeks, because he was traveling with Kennedy the whole entire time, and he had this incredible story that he told me. He was en route to Washington, D.C. during the funeral. And there was a woman who couldn't, she, went, she was trying to get downtown, but she didn't have a ride. And so he and her sort of rode to Washington together in the same car. And he asked her, he goes, were you a fan of Kennedy? And she goes, no, I'm a Republican. And then she goes, but I never realized how much I loved him, you know. And in the middle of the interview, he just sort of breaks down and started crying, and went into his, his experience of being in Washington during the funeral. Um, I was also able to speak to Bill Carter, who was, I mean, in the Capitol Rotunda, who talked about seeing the thousands of people all around the country who were coming to see the casket. Um, you know, who all were torn because they felt as though the fu- their future had been sort of ripped from them. So those people, when it comes to the last part of Kennedy's life, but I was also able to speak to so many people who talked about his journey, uh, whether it's Kathleen Kennedy, Robert Kennedy's daughter, who spoke a lot about her father's work uh, with his brother, you know, RFK and JFK's work together starting in fifty. Uh, One, during the Asia trip and the way that they were able to work together through all the various campaigns and sort of RFK's incredible brilliance when it comes to um, organizing a campaign. Um, But also, I mean, people like David Nassau, who's a fantastic um, Kennedy historian who was able to go into the details of Kennedy's early life and life with the family and Joseph Kennedy and Rose Kennedy um, and all of the different complicated personalities that are in that family and how they developed who JFK became uh, because JFK was so influenced by his parents and by his surroundings and by his relationships with his siblings. Um, so I think there were, there were so many and then also J. Randy Taraborelli who is maybe the Kennedy historian for today because he is sort of also a cultural historian and talks about how the Kennedys still resonate in modern culture. So he was really interesting to talk to and has some great lines in the series.
1: That's perfect! Wow, that sounds amazing. What about
0: you? What what's been your like favorite, your favorite uh, guest on the show?
1: Oh, that's hard. I've had, you know, I've had the privilege of talking to a lot of authors that have just written a lot of really interesting books on different parts of his life, whether it be, uh, I've even had some historical fiction and things like that. And I think that that's, it's just been really interesting to hear from all sorts of authors that have spanned across. It was really, really interesting to hear from, uh, Nicola and Kim at the, uh, six museum, that conversation. And then also, It was neat for me to see inside the operations of the White House Historical Association, speaking with uh, the president, Stuart McLaurin. I really enjoyed that conversation and getting to kind of hear some of his top moments or top items that he has, you know, been able to help preserve. And the legacy that Jackie, because she's so dear to my heart and just has truly just she's so iconic. And so it was just amazing what she started as a first lady. And being one of the first working first ladies that
0: uh, she kind of established.
1: I don't know. I think there's just a bunch. It's, uh, that's such a hard question. I guess when it gets terrible yeah. on
0: me, it's a little hard to answer. <laughs> right. No, for sure. I mean, that, but that's the that's the incredible thing, though, is because I feel like also another reason why we're probably super interested in this subject and probably why a lot of your listeners are really interested in it is because it's the first presidency that is really televised. And so we have these thousands of newsreels and these thousands of color film clips. I mean, a lot of the speeches that I have in my series are in color, which is amazing. I have the civil rights speech in 63 in color. I have the speech he gives after his trip to Europe in 1963 in color. And so being able to see a president in color was something that was a first at this time. And I think that that has also made it sort of timeless in a way. Um, For sure. What, what do you think? No, I would totally
1: agree with that. I think that, I think that has a huge Part in it. It's not like we're listening to recordings from a radio. You know, it's not like it's. It feels so ancient to us. You know, like you said, color even in footage or in anything makes you feel like it was could have taken place yesterday. It's it's almost like takes away this layer of thinking that must have been forever ago and kind of distancing yourself from it. So yeah, I totally agree with that. That that has that's got to be one of the reasons that we're just so amazed. But also, I think that. What's so captivating, or at least I can speak for myself in this, we're both in our 20s. We both are so interested in something that happened when technically our grandparents and or great-grandparents would have been really, you know, adults at this time. So I think what's so interesting to me is the what-ifs. There's this family that is so very... Beautiful and poised and brilliant and just groundbreaking, honestly. They are truly, I mean, it's so cliche to say, but I mean, it's my name, like Kennedy Dynasty. Like, they're the closest thing we had to royalty. And so I think what's so interesting, though, is that it was cut short. We don't have an answer on what would have happened or what he would have done. We have ideas, but we don't truly know. And Jackie was a ma- able to formulate this idea of Camelot and this amazing thing that there will be more, but there will never be this. And there's no way that the human brain can't become fascinated with that when you really dive into it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like that was really long winded, but you know, no, that's
0: absolutely the case. And I, again, it it is a story that basically ends in the second act. I mean, it ends basically before you can get to that grand epic conclusion before, you know, if you're talking about Lord of the Rings, the story ends before you get to Mordor. You know, right. it, it ends before that that last chapter, which is also what makes it so curious. You begin to wonder, okay, of course, what would have happened, you know, during Vietnam? And right. I like, you know, Fred Logevall and a lot of other people believe that Kennedy would not have escalated the Vietnam conflict into what it became. Um, so you begin to wonder about that. Um, you begin to realize the fact that Kennedy's presidency, there's more legislation actually passed since Teddy Roosevelt decades before. So that's a very overlooked aspect of Kennedy's presidency is... Though, you know, a lot of people compare it to LBJ's legislation, the fact that there was a lot that got passed in Kennedy's presidency, um, gosh, overtime, work compensation, the beginnings of, uh, you know, you have the Equal Pay Act of 63, you have the Clean Air Act, you have the fact that he was listening to environmentalists and was actually um, influencing legislation having to do with uh, preventing uh, peroxides from being used that were damaging human beings. Like all of this stuff yeah. began the Navy seals, the green berets, this all began and, the Peace and Corps. really had its apex during this thousand days. So even though it's only two years, um, or, you know, a, a thousand days that he was in office, there's so much that happens and there was so much that was going to happen. Uh, n- not only in the rest of his first term, but for his second term as well. Because he would have been reelected, elected in, in my yeah. opinion.
1: Oh, for sure. And on top of that, then we get four years, and then we get Bobby running. You're like, okay, here we go. Here we go. We're back in it. And then, you know, tragically, he's assassinated. So there's another big, huge what if, you know? And it's just so many things that happen, so many tragedies. Just so much of every single aspect that is gripping to our minds, it happened. So that's why I feel like our generation is still, I mean, so polarized by them so entranced in the story I mean because you can't watch a documentary about them and not be interested it's not possible
0: and it's also one of those things where you know I, I asked the curator at the sixth floor museum who who might be one of the most preeminent historians having to do with the assassination and I asked him like it must have been really complicated putting together an exhibit where the story ends with blood in Dallas. It's it's gotta be difficult. And he said, that was the exact same thing that I thought of when we were putting this together. And he said, I did not want people to leave this place in despair. I didn't want them to leave with that sort of hood of darkness over them. And I think that you know, Kennedy himself, if he was here today, he wouldn't want the story to be written as though it ended in Dallas. And I think that for the people that killed Robert Kennedy and, and John Kennedy, they would have been joyful if we had forgotten these people, if we had forgotten the the ideas that they brought up in their in their lives. And I think that it's that's part of what makes the fascination for us and our generation so amazing is because we're basically uh, we're keeping these individuals alive in history. Um and I think, of course, the news clippings do it. Of course, the color footage does it. Of course, the books and the documentaries. But honestly, it's just like conversations like this, continuing to talk about, Um, because the impact that the Kennedys have had on American history is, is drastic, you know, drastic. And it's, um, I think that's, what's so amazing about it.
1: Yeah. And I, I've even, I've had conversations just here and there with people or friends or whatever. And it's like, I almost have this thought process like please just read this book or please just listen to the sound clip like you can't not be inspired you can't not be you know enamored with the words or the there's just no way it's like seeing it's like every speech that he did was like coming out of seeing an incredible musical you just saw Les Mis and you're like whoa and I feel like that is you know something that is just amazing about them is that every word everything was so well curated and I don't know. I just always am like, everybody, study. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. And it also says something about the importance of eloquence in politics. Like that, that is something that when you listen to him talk, and this is something that is for any of his speeches, um, whether speeches that he gave when he was a senator, his speeches when he was a congressman were a little bit. Uh, he had a lot of learning to do yeah. and luckily when he met Ted Sorensen Ted Sorensen not only improved the rhetoric but he also helped him improve his speaking voice and being able to speak in front of crowds and in a fantastic way and by the time he gets to the 60 campaign and he's standing on cars in West Virginia and and going door to door in sort of these rural coal mining communities this guy is an incredible speaker with so much energy and passion and Uh, in his voice, but he had a lot of learning to do. And I think that when he becomes president and he gives these incredible speeches and the press conferences with the humor, um, that's important in politics, being able to speak eloquently, being able to deliver messages um, effectively to to viewers. I feel like we've gotten so used to in this modern day, names being thrown around and sort of vulgar language being thrown everywhere. And of course it's just the world that we live in now and things have changed so much. Um, but it says something when you look at the way that he was able to, to speak to people that you can learn from.
1: And you can see even the modern politicians, you can see them use mannerisms that he did, or it's almost like they've studied his videos and you know, they have, you know? So I think that's amazing too, that you can see touches of Kennedy that people want to continue on. So what are some ways that you hope that everybody, our generation, future generation, anybody, What do you want them to take away from this project that you have created?
0: My gosh. I mean, well, by the time people are done sitting and watching my series for 14 hours and basically have lived through this whole entire life, because that's what it's designed to be like. It's designed to basically you're you're joining him for his whole entire journey. And so by the time people are done, I hope that they feel like they perhaps know him a little bit better. Um, understand him a little bit better, understand his complexities, understand his faults, but also understand the way that he was able to grow into a pretty pretty incredible politician and an amazing father. And I just hope that they're able to take lessons having to do with political courage, you know, when you're able to identify movements that are going on like he did in early – in June of 63 and basically – Have the courage of being able to go out and say, This is something we need to fix in our country. This is something we need to stand up for. And it's our responsibility. And, you know, Lincoln might have freed the slaves, but we have a lot of work we need to do. And I think that says a lot because we as a current as the generation that we are today, we have a lot of work to do to continue to to build on what has come before us, and that's something that Kennedy basically lived by because he knew that by the time his administration was over, he wasn't going to solve all the problems that the country had. he was only going to be able to push it forward you know a little bit. so the biggest lesson from the Kennedy story is to always be willing to sort of stand up and speak out. Um, when the time is right. And, um, and then I just hope that they're able to enjoy living through this incredible life because it is such a, um, fun journey to explore. It's such a, it's such an incredible story.
1: I love it. I'm so excited because I feel like that's such a unique angle. I've seen nothing like that. And that's very exciting for me as somebody that's seen all of them. (laughs) So it's, it's something new and fresh. And uh, I feel like I'll learn so much out of that. And I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah. And you'll, you'll be able to hear like, you know, Bay of Pigs veterans. You'll be able to hear actually what it was like for them on the ground. You'll be able to hear from people like Conan about, you know, Kennedy's impact on Irish people and you'll be able to hear from the Irish ambassador and what it was like to have Kennedy visit Ireland in 63. Um, David Nassau in terms of the early Kennedy years, Kathleen Kennedy in terms of RFK and um, people from uh, NASA to talk about the impact of the space race and, and uh, c- uh, civil rights historians and civil rights activists who were actually in Birmingham marching on the ground. So it's not just about the history of Kennedy himself, it's also the history of the times that he lived in. So I hope that after watching it, people are able to look back and be like, look at all the things that happened in the early 60s and how how relevant these all are, whether it's civil rights or the Cold War and international diplomacy. This is all stuff that we are still um, talking about today. And it's just timeless stuff.
1: This is so much fun. OK, and I've already talked to Ashton about this, but he's going to come back and be a you know, on a few more times for sure, because we just, it's so nice to have somebody that totally just like, is in the same realm of study as me right
0: now? It's so great.
1: Well, um,
0: I, 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 and I have to say it is <laughs> when I first came across your podcast and I heard how brilliantly nerdy you were about the Kennedy's. I instantly knew that there was going to be a friendship that was going to form. So I'm, I'm very glad that we're able to do this and can't wait for any other future opportunities.
1: Same, same. Okay, so plug anything you want right here. People go follow you, follow the project, anything.
0: Yeah, so I post really casual updates on the project as we're going along a post production on my Instagram page, which is just Ashton. Gleckman, uh, G-L-E-C-K-M-A-N, and then we also have a website called blackbirdpictures.net, which has all the information about Kennedy, and you can look us up on IMDb and basically see all of the people that are involved, and the list of all the episodes. Um, there's 10 episodes, so um, yeah, all the updates are going to go on there, and then hopefully... This time next year, we will have our distributor, and we're going to be bringing this to you wherever you are around the world. So, super, super excited to share this with everybody.
1: I love it. Uh, also, you didn't share your musical background. You have to share that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I yeah, mean, you're so scoring I, your
1: own like documentary right now. It's incredible. So, you have to share your music.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So, I started playing music when I was seven, and I started writing writing music for films when I was 15. Um, and I was able to work uh, with Hans Zimmer for a while. And he, he actually found my YouTube channel when I was 17, and I got to go meet him in L.A. And so I got to know him pretty well. And um, I got to know Harry Gregson Williams, who did the Narnia movies and the Shrek movies. And so music for film is actually the first thing that I really did. And I'm scoring the Kennedy series with two other friends of mine. And there's like 10 hours of music to write for this thing. So it is more music than I've ever written in my entire life. And it's not simple music as well. There's a lot of orchestral, um, kind of music throughout the series, um, a huge scope to sort of cover. So yeah. And I also play guitar and drums and, uh, record those all the time in the scores that I write. So yeah,
1: that's so cool. All the talent in the world. It's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to have you back on in the future.
0: A hundred percent. And thank you so much for having me, Allison. appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast five stars and write a positive written review if you like it. Visit the links in the episode description to follow me on Instagram and Ashton. And next week, good old Pryor is coming back on the podcast, so don't miss that one. And I will talk to you guys next week. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. He'll keep America strong. Kennedy, just up. Kennedy, just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up.